Nora Speaks is a weekly podcast that tugs at the soul and consciousness of the Black community. With show topics such as youth empowerment, education, women's impact, and civic engagement, Nora Speaks challenges the listener to not only join the movement, but be the movement. On the show, you'll learn from insightful guests who have demonstrated capacity in these fields and more, and I'm your host, Nora Muhammad. Welcome to the show. If you want something, just go for it. Just don't think that you have to have everything together to do it. Just like figure it out along the way because that's part of the fun part. I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs mm-hmm. who are like, oh, I have to have this and this and this and this before I could start. And a lot of people like plan themselves out of having a business, essentially. I am beyond excited to bring you this week's guest, Nisha Blackwell. Nisha is the founder of Knots Land Bowties. That's Knots as in K-N-O-T-Z. Nisha founded Knotsland in August 2014 as a self-taught seamstress. I learned about Nisha and Knotsland on a lazy Sunday morning while watching the Sunday morning talk shows. A Google commercial ran and described her journey from unemployed to businesswoman. She defined creating something from nothing. Immediately, I reached out to her, and in our initial conversation, I was even more impressed. Knotsland bow ties are created from recycled textiles discarded by upholstery companies and textile manufacturers. Knotsland prides itself for taking the best of these discards and reusing them to create stylish and sophisticated bow ties. To date, they have rescued over 1,700 pounds of textile waste that would have been dumped into the environment. In addition to rescuing textiles and the environment, Nisha also is doing her part to rescue her community. She does this by inviting local women into her shop to learn how to sew for themselves and others. And as Ralph Waldo Emerson said, the man who knows how will always have a job. And with no further delay, please enjoy my interview with this dynamic guest, Nisha Blackwell. Welcome to another episode of the Nora Speaks podcast, and we are joined by a wonderful guest, Miss Nisha Blackwell of Knotsland. Knotsland, welcome to the show. Hi, Nora. Thanks for having me. (laughs) I'm so (laughs) glad to have you. Um, I got to say, I was watching uh, the Sunday morning um, news shows, you know, the political news shows that come on in the morning on Sundays, and this Google commercial came on about this very cool bow tie company. And I said, oh my gosh, I would love to talk with this woman and meet this woman and hear about her journey. So I'm so glad that you were responsive to my invitation, Nisha. Yeah, I just appreciate you reaching out. I mean, just after seeing the commercial, it really lets me know like the impact that, you know, how when they say representation matters, it's like, this is kind of an example of how that can come to fruition. Right, right. Know? Yeah, it was it was a great commercial and I I love the I love the story of essentially, you know, creating something where there was nothing. You know, I I think that uh you were very very um uh you, a lot use a lot of ingenuity, I guess I should say. So so let's 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 get into it. Tell the audience about yourself. So, my name is Nisha Blackwell. I do and I am the founder and CEO of Nasland Bowties. We make handmade bow ties out of repurposed and reclaimed fabrics and materials that we now source and rescue. I used to say we source and rescue them all locally, but now we have a few um, partners. Actually, we have one in LA. We have a partner in Jersey. Um, so it's starting to grow in terms of like the amount of people who are sending us. So we source and rescue fabric waste from all different places. Um, reclaim it, clean it and reuse it to make bow ties. Mm. And a secondary part of our company is that we make the bow ties, but we also train and hire women from in and around the community. So generally it's about, I'd say a five to seven mile radius from our studio to make the bow ties. So we have a bunch of different ladies that we have who make parts of the bow ties from home. Oh, I love that. That is so cool. So, um, God, so did you 
did you see yourself one day being a business owner? Was it something that you saw in your family, people who ran their own companies? I did not. I did not. I never like said I want to be an entrepreneur. Um, but I was raised around women who were always willing to try. Like, you know, they just had, I guess if you would call it side hustles, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, my one aunt sold dinners. My other aunt would sell ice balls. Um, they sold artwork. They sold purses. They, like, I've watched these women kind of, like, figure out how to make a way through developing these <clears throat> multiple businesses that they've had to, you know, I guess, you know. And it also speaks to the fact that, like, a lot of times Black women have to make our own way in society because a lot of places just don't fit mm-hmm. our personalities. You know, it's like a very Western culture uh, world that we're in, right? So I think it's kind of all of the entrepreneurship activity and, you know, and all of this noise that we hear, Black women are successful entrepreneurs and blah, 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 and they're the largest growing entrepreneurship group. We have to kind of look at the fact that like a lot of times we have to, like we have to make a way, right? So going back to why I started, it kind of comes in as like this manifestation in a way. Mm. We, well, you know, I think you said something very important about Black women, you know, having to create a way for ourselves and um, the fastest growing segment, but not always uh, the easiest segment to get funding. So what was that like for you creating this startup and, you know, looking for investors? And and so what was that journey like? If You know, if you were pretty new to entrepreneurship personally, uh, you want to talk about that journey a bit? Yeah, yeah. Um, like you said, it's really hard for investors to kind of see value in things that not just like people of color, but Black women are bringing it to the table. But again, it goes back to like culturally acceptable things, right? Like if we're not building like the next Facebook or the next like, you know, Duolingo, then it's not seen as adding value to this ecosystem that they are a part of, right? Mm -hmm. So the funding part is a really, really interesting conversation. I started on uh, iron and board in my living room, basically just like kind of making hair bows. And I followed the market in terms of, I had parents who were like asking for things for boys. They were like, yeah, it would be cool to still be able to support. And if you made things for boys, we would do that. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna make something for boys. And my friend was like, you should make little boys at it. And so I kind of like came out of that, like finding a way even in that phase And then I had a friend of mine, Jen, who is actually a white woman, like a middle-aged white woman, say, hey, um, there's this startup accelerator in East Liberty, which is like a changing neighborhood here in Pittsburgh, who they basically give money to people with ideas. Like, you don't even have to have a product. You just have to have an idea. And a lot of times you can still be in this space and pitch to the investors and directors of this um, startup accelerator. So it's like, okay, I mean, I'm not really, I didn't see myself as this like big company, right? So I'm like, I don't really know what is going to happen, but what could hurt? And so I go and apply for the accelerator. And this was probably in October. And then December, I got an acceptance letter saying, hey, wow. accept it to the boot camp. This isn't the funding part. This is just like where they get you ready to pitch for funding. So I go and I go to his boot camp and the first day, like, so imagine me, just a black girl trying to figure it out in her twenties. Right. And I go into this space where it was heavily populated with this like kind of startup culture, right? It's like the Carnegie Mellons and the pit people, like groups of college students who are developing these like ideas because they're in this setting, like, you know what I mean? They're in this setting that is teaching them how to develop these ideas. Groups and groups of those people and maybe like a few of us like <laughs> commoners yeah. sprinkled around and 
literally I was probably one of very, very few black women, if not like maybe three of us. So how big is a group, is a class like that? It was a hundred people, but some some teams consisted of five people. Some teams consisted of one person, two people, three people. Teams just were, you know, whatever you had, whoever was working on the idea. And at the time I was like a solo team. So I was also, that's also intimidating when you come in and you see like, oh, wow, these people actually have it together. They have a person who's doing data. They have a person right. who's doing the back end development of the app. Like they're going to like crush it. Um, so the startup accelerator lasted for two weekends. The first weekend was like kind of preparing us. The second weekend was more intense. Like we did a bunch of like off the wall, like random pitches. Like someone would look at you and say, okay, do your pitch. And so it kind of trained me in a way to like know how to talk about my business, which was, which is great. Mm-hmm. You know, it, that benefit in itself has helped me so much being exposed to like a tech accelerator space. And then that Sunday of the second weekend was like when every single company pitched their idea. And I was just like, I cannot believe I made it this far to like, be, <laughs> you know, like what in the world, but One of the things that everyone would tell me is that, like, you have a leg up because you actually have a product. A lot of these people had ideas, but you have a physical product that you can bring in that you've already slightly developed. You have samples of this stuff. So that is your, you know, that's your strong, that's your strength. So bring that to the table. So I brought my little suitcase. I wore a bow tie and I stood up in this room. It was this kind of small room, but it was, it consisted of about 12 to 13 investors and directors and I pitched this idea and lo and behold I got accepted to the second round <laughs> not yet like the second round <clears throat> so at that point half of the companies I would say it was about 50 companies and 100 people and half the companies had fell off and so only 20 to 25 companies were selected to go to the second round and I happened to be one of the 25 that was accepted to the second round and the second round was more of an intense entrepreneurship training. We had to come to a class for three hours on Monday night, every Monday, and like kind of like be ready to deliver. Rather it was mm. data, rather it was market research, rather it was, you know, who's going to do your graphics, where's your logo, all of these things. And, you know, it really, looking back, was helpful for me. To, I do a lot of mentoring, and like I kind of wish that I could put my mentees through this course of action you know Mm -hmm. because it makes you take it serious like there's something in being competitive in a space like that like oh no I want this just as much as the next person like originally I was like a little on the fence but by the time I made it to that um, entrepreneurship class I was like I'm invested I'm trying to get this I'm trying to win this like money for my company so so I imagine you know you're coming in and and you you've decided that you want to have a bow tie company Mm -hmm. but did you what did you learn about your business that you didn't know? Or what did you learn about yourself in that process? I mean, the question that they made you confront, the question that you had to ask of yourself of what your your mission and your vision for your company was. Well, I learned the importance of understanding where I wanted the business to go. Because originally it was just like, again, like a side hustle. But mm. in that, I was like, okay, if I'm going to take this serious, I need to like, build something that I would want to be a part of and that other people want to be a part of and something that really makes up who I am as a person because that's the only way that I'm not going to get tired of it you know is if it if it if ingrained in this business is everything that I'm passionate about so that is when I started developing the fact like okay what are some things that are key in this business one of them is environment like I reached into a bag of old thrifted clothes that I didn't want to give to Salvation Army and Mm. I wanted to like redo things with them that was the first store so I'm like okay what am I doing here I'm reuse I'm I'm reusing something that existed previously so I started figuring out okay what is the term for that what what does this mean you know and what are the environmental implications like we're kind of having a positive impact on the environment. Absolutely. That's something we should talk about in this business. And that's something that should be built and ingrained in the business moving forward. Then I'm like, okay, so I have one really good thing, but I also need to figure out how, because I'm super, I've always been really community, community oriented. And like, I would go, I was a part of AmeriCorps and strong women, strong girls. And um, this 
program called GTEC Strategies, which helped um, individuals understand more about like the localized environment, like their soil and, you know, so I'm like, well, these things that I'm passionate about, like, and another one of them is people and kind of mm-hmm. like this idea of making sure that people aren't left behind or people have resources, like I needed resources. So that's when I was like, okay, so we're going to make sure we make all of this locally and we're going to keep the environment. And that in itself was like, okay, we're solving two kind of big things at once. Absolutely. What does this even look like, you know? And in that, I was like, okay, that's when I started thinking about and having conversations with other people around like, oh, what you're doing is social entrepreneurship. Like you are a social entrepreneur. Mm. Um, you're developing a social enterprise. Like this is a new thing in business where you can kind of like take it to the next level. It's sort of like nonprofit and business mixed together. But it's like saying, telling the world, like you can have a business, but you can also do good. And I was like, right. wow, this is this is cool. This is me. Right. This is where I'm supposed to be. Um, that's not easy to build because it's also not the prettiest for investors because it doesn't have the most immediate returns. Uh, so even today, to this day, it's like, how do I wrap my mind around having a social enterprise, right? Uh, but yeah, it's definitely been a journey. Definitely been a journey. So how many... How many rounds was there in that in that in the program? You said you had made it to the second round, which was the I guess the entrepreneurship training, the business training. Yeah, there were two rounds. Um, so after this, you know, after I made it into the second round, it was about an eight week entrepreneur course, and after that course, you had to pitch, like repitch, and in this second pitch, mm-hmm. you had to basically deliver all of your findings and really take your original idea and pitch and like how you got in that was like out the door it's like what have you learned and how are you going to make this into a business that's lucrative and you know and I pitched that second time the second time I had my brother up there with me in a bow tie and I decided to just like take on the business Mm. (laughs) while he was like my model and afterwards we got a huge like round of applause and I was like wow I can't believe I just did that and we got accepted into the Startup Accelerator. And the Accelerator is a year-long um, program. So basically, they give you seed funding, but they also take you in and give you a co-working space, like a desk, to kind of like build this business and just being around other entrepreneurs who were hungry. There was a class there previously that were like entrepreneurs and residents. So they had kind of just went through some of the things that we were figuring out. So it was great to kind of be in that space and be exposed to those individuals who were a little further ahead in their business, but also still like new enough to be like, oh yeah, I'll just call them for you, <laughs> you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. That is so cool. I saw your brother in um, in in the Google video. Uh, he He seems to have such a, love and admiration for you. And in the video, it stood out to me when he said that, you know, you are single-handedly saving uh, Homewood. Mm-hmm. Is That's the neighborhood that, that you're in there in Pittsburgh? Yeah. And as I mentioned earlier, um, Homewood is a changing community. It's, I mean, obviously we know that the whole country is in a shift right now. And whether it's for good, bad, and different, things are happening right and being able to have and build something in the midst of change in its own is kind of like a radical thing because like it's hard to and it's a lot because you you put so much on yourself to want to be a part of positive change but then also you have to make sure that you're (laughs) growing your business you know so he's kind of watched me try to like have one foot on the pulse of like the neighborhood and what's happening so I could tell my neighbors and people like, hey, you know, this is how you apply for some of the new housing that's coming. Hey, this is how mm-hmm. you stay, you know, but also being an example of someone who was able to like grow. It, it, I think it's really mm-hmm. inspiring for a lot of people, particularly my little brother. He, um, yeah, he's been right there to see the whole transformation of this. 
Yeah, Nisha, I mean, your story is just so, it's it's so remarkable. Um, and like I said, you know, having, you know, nothing and making something, I mean, you know, you didn't even know how to sew, right? So now you, you actually are uh, training other women to create bow ties. It's it's remarkable, and you you're, you you recognize you know what's happening on both sides of the fence, and I think that's important to help other people, you know, women in particular, like you said, kind of know how they can access you know what's happening in their changing environment, but also be the example of someone who um, is not just uh, creating a business, but also making a contribution and making an impact. You know, I. I I, when I work with young people, I tell them, you don't have to get out. You know, we may think, you know, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to get out as if the getting out part is the the success, but being there to continue to make an impact and make a difference, not just for yourself, for your own family, but for the community. And certainly by bringing in women and teaching them the trade and teaching them about business and the mentorship that you're doing, you're just making an impact in so many different ways. Yeah, and I like where you say you don't have to get out. You can kind of make an impact. It's interesting because it's really easy for people to, you know, folks to say, I'm moving over here, I'm moving here, and just going to, like, you know, leave and not have to worry about it. And, I mean, a popular one is I'm moving to Atlanta because that is the holy grail. Oh, yes. Black yes. The Mecca. <laughs> Black Mecca. Yeah, but it's like, you know, how do you – Real change change comes in staying in a city, being a part of the positive like things that it could be, you know, and staying when everyone else is leaving is like a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I could just I could go on and on about how you know just building where you are, and I mean, if everyone leaves, we'll never be able to progress and if you leave you'll never uh, others won't see an opportunity Mm -hmm. building things that okay if you look around you're like okay things are changing I need to I love working with tools I love working with my hands what if I created like a construction company you know Mm -hmm. getting some of this access what if I create a restaurant because more people are going to be here now what if I create oh I like making soul food what if I made like vegan soul food on my menu you know so I think the challenge for us in changing community is not just like building business but building businesses that are diverse enough to withstand the change like even if you physically can't still be there your business can still kind of survive in this like changing space and you're still Mm. because you're still a black owned business and you know with roots there right Wow, you, yeah, you said roots. I was just thinking, you know, anchoring anchoring yourself in, in some way. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. So, um, so let's talk about Knott's Land. And uh, I know you're online. Are you in any retail stores? Yes, we're in a number of more small boutique retail stores. Um, mm-hmm. We're in a couple museums in and around Pittsburgh, as well as have an account with one of the top menswear stores here in our downtown area that was like a big big uh whatever uh, not celebration that was a big moment for us sure every single person regardless if they were black or white it's like how they came up to me after seeing that we had not just a collection but a window display downtown like people are like how the heck did you get? <laughs> so that's that's really rewarding. And um, we're in a small shop in Washington State. Uh, nice. hat, this woman who makes hats actually wanted bow ties in her store. And she was like, yeah, we get a lot of guys who ask for bow ties. I'm like, hey, we're sending your collection up. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we're just growing. We have a collection in the W Hotel in Times Square right now which is also Mm. like I mean these these moments are crazy because like it went from just this idea and this teaching myself how to sew to like people actually wanting collections of them in their space and that I'm like this is kind of crazy 
I think that is so amazing. And, you know, I am a, a Muslim and I'm a member of the Nation of Islam and our guys, our brothers, my sons, they wear bow ties all the time. So now we have a great place where we can get them from yeah. some somebody <laughs> that we know, you know. So I think that's cool. And I'm going to make sure I share that with everybody that I know personally. Thank you. Um, but you also do weddings and, and special events, right? Now, do you do people when they want something custom, you know, they bring a swatch of the dress and they want something custom. Do you um, ask do you ask them to bring their material in or do you use what you have to 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 match that swatch? So it's always an option to bring your own material because we do have some people who like to do like incorporate sentimental pieces into their weddings. So we're like, yeah, mm-hmm. if you want to incorporate, it's like kind of like something old, something new, but on the groom's end. Right. Um, but also we do a bunch of people who are like, I just want purple bow ties. Show me all your purples mm-hmm. and we'll go and pull out fabric samples and we'll create a sample card for them to kind of do some color matching. And that works out really well. I mean, it's also interesting because we have people who will come to us like, I want 20 black bow ties for my wedding, which it's crazy that like, you know, they know when someone comes to us and wants 20 black bow ties in the studio, we're all joking around like, yeah, you could, you could have any bow tie in the world and you pick all black bow ties. Exactly. Right. <laughs> but the reverse of that is our mission and our vision of the company is so strong that people are like, no, I want to pay the extra and get custom bow ties because they're made from yeah. sustainable materials and because I want to support a small business and a growing company. We get a lot of weddings and a lot of our weddings are more focused on building their whole wedding around like local people, small batch, you know, like really customized. So it's nice to see that there's a shift even in that space of people who aren't just like ordering a bunch of like things from China and getting them for super cheap, but wanting these like details incorporated into their wedding. We are doing, we're working on an Indian wedding right now. Actually, it's a dual culture, um, an interracial wedding. Um, The guy is white, but the woman's family is Indian and they sign a ton of fabric that they had from previous um, occasions to us to make bow ties for this wedding because you know they're like really colorful. You can't have just a plain bow tie. You have to have like, and I think these bow ties are going to be so, so, so cool. And mostly because they're going to be made from fabric that was, that came directly from them and their families, you know. You're in uh, Washington and you're in New York and are you looking to, do you have, I guess, is, is there any dream uh, retailer that you're looking to partner with? So I tell myself that the moment that we're able to even have a conversation with Barney's and nice. the inside of Barney's New York would be, yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, look, it's out there now. <laughs> yeah. Speak it into existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just really over the next couple of years, we're still a very young company and we've done a lot in a little bit of time. So I'm just really looking forward to just figuring out a little bit more who our direct markets are. Mm-hmm. I mean, it feels like these first years are composed of more market research in a way, like who's your mm-hmm. customer? Who's the top, you know, selling segment of the business? A lot of times I'm like, I think it might be weddings, but then I'm like, actually, um, the boutique re- re- uh, retailers are really coming out. Like, so it's going to be cool to see the different sectors as they grow and emerge and maybe merge with one another. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is this? What? How have you changed in, in this journey? So how, how old is Knotsland now? So Knotsland is three years old. Um, mm-hmm. Really, it has changed me more professionally because I previously had worked, you know, at different jobs and different spaces that I didn't really love and mm-hmm. didn't get that professional development that I think I should have in those places. So I feel like it has 
really allowed me to just learn that side and just like be in rooms and at tables and have conversations with people who I would have never even imagined, you know. And also it has made me more courageous, Mm. brave and more confident in like who I am as a person, as an individual, like my skills that I bring to the table and, you know, all of those things. It's really helped with like just that self-confidence that I was able to even build something and get it this far, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I imagine in that accelerator program, you probably had to confront a lot of that, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of that about yourself and grow in areas in a, in a very, very uh, quick pace. My goodness, three years ago, I was frightened to speak mm-hmm. in front of any crowd. I'm actually an introvert and I've like, as a kid, I was really, really, really shy. I remember times like we would be at church and I would be like hiding behind my aunt's mm-hmm. leg and she would be like, get off me, girl, go play. And so just to know that like that's still like a thing in adulthood. But after three years of like putting myself in situations where I had to speak right. publicly, it's been definitely, that's probably one of the larger growth spaces because just this Thursday, I um, helped MC a conference and I was just like this is crazy that I came from virtually being frightened like I remember literally wanting to walk out of back doors of places like you know <laughs> is it more embarrassing to get up there and <laughs> burn or just ghost and they're like and next is Nisha right. <laughs> and they're like where'd she go <laughs> I seriously thought about those moments so to see that evolve over time and be able to, you know, even do those speaking things is a, a big growth space for myself. Yeah. Nisha, I'm so excited for you. And, you know, as I, I feel so proud of you and, you know, I imagine your family is probably bursting with joy with, you know, the, the impacts that you're making there on other people. Um, and at the end of every episode of Nora Speaks, I encourage listeners to be the movement. And that was one of the things that attracted me so much to you is is that is exactly what you're doing there in Homewood in Pittsburgh. And uh and I would I would encourage you to do so. You're like a, you know, a superhero to so many, and you're such a role model to our young ladies and, and our girls of, you know, not running out, but staying in and making a difference and you're definitely an example of using what you have because that's exactly what you've done. Thank you so much, Nora. And I just, I do appreciate even, you know, lady the other week was like, oh, you're such an inspiration. I was like, it's an honor to inspire, you know, Mm -hmm. it it feels really good to be able to, because even myself, I still get really inspired by people around me. So to even, see myself like wow you know a lot of people are actually saying that I'm inspiring them to do things and you know open their minds around concepts that they never would have imagined go together like (laughs) that's just that's a thing in itself you know it's crazy it's crazy even down to like the education piece of our pieces I was talking to a lady at a conference and she develop an upcyclers club which is like something because like we don't really have a space in sustainable fashion a lot of times so she was like yeah I'm looking to like make the voice for the upcycling like what are your unique needs as a person who is reclaiming things and keeping them from becoming discards and being horrible for the planet to like making new things so I'm really interested in that and I was like yeah you know it's also a public education piece because you know People are like, oh, those are great bow ties, and they come over, and it's mostly more secondary that they're repurposed. It's the first thing is that they're great bow ties. And so a lot of sustainable brands ride on the fact that they're like organic cottons and, you know. But you have a great product. (laughs) Yeah, it starts from a great product, and you just develop something great with whatever you have and, you know, start that conversation. And that's like a change making in itself, you know? Right. Um, So I guess I imagine that for the manufacturers uh, or the textile companies where these 
discarded, uh, where you're sourcing these discarded materials, I'm sure that that's also a benefit for them as well. Oh, absolutely. There's a partner that we met. So two things. When I first tried to think about like in the startup accelerator, they said, think about how you're going to scale, where you're going to get a continuous source of fabric. First thing I did was went on Google and I typed in textiles, Pittsburgh, you know, fabric companies, Pittsburgh, you know, it's like, I need to find like that person that's going to give me that validation of like, Mm. we'll have fabric. So the very first person I called was in a poultry store um, in Lawrenceville. And she answers the phone and I was like, hey, this is what I do and blah, blah, blah. I gave her my spiel. And I was like, so I was wondering if you ever have any leftover fabric. And she was like, oh my gosh, please come down here right now and look right in front of me. If you don't come get it, it'll be in the trash. (laughs) How amazing. (laughs) I was like, how amazing. We'll be down to get that fabric. Right. Second story, um, I was at a conference last September and a guy from a furniture, like a um, sustainable furniture company, he was having a conversation with myself and the team and he was like, yeah, you know, one of our hardest things was like, do you guys accept like fabric remnants or, you know, pieces? Because like, while we're, we really work to be net zero, one of our hardest things to get rid of is textiles. And, you know, this conference was all about like points and skill and like levels of sustainability. So like they were one of the top Mm. in the space. It's called um, Living Product Expo. So like how sustainable are you? And the more sustainable you are, you get like rewards and, you know, it's just like a status Mm. in this space. And so it was really dynamic when we were able to partner with them and they sent us fabric. And we also try to help them find other sources to send fabric, you know? Yeah. That's Um, great. And I love just, I love that story with just making the call. You mm -hmm. know, sometimes we are so afraid to make the call and, you know, the the answer answer to our our problems can be right on the other side of that phone call. That's pretty amazing. (laughs) That was really cool. Yeah. So is there a personal a personal mantra that uh, that that you use to sustain yourself and to keep yourself on track or are there any personal habits that you have to to help yourself stay productive? A lot of things, but I um, really try to check in often and make sure that like I'm not feeling like I can't do, you know, like, cause I do know that burnout's real and entrepreneurship is really hard, you know? So I try to constantly check in with myself. And if I need a day, I will take a day. If it's like Wednesday morning and I'm like, you know what, today is just like off the day for me to do any business. I just don't feel good at all. I'm dog tired. I will literally allow myself to like, you know, cause first and foremost, foremost like self-care and self-preservation is important so Mm -hmm. I can't be not okay (laughs) so I have to like make sure I'm okay before I'm not okay right so I definitely will take a day off here and there um but also you know there's other times where we get like hit with so many opportunities where it's like we want you to do this we want you to do that we want you to do this we want you to do that and first of all I'd never thought that people love bow ties this much (laughs) Mm -hmm, right and second it's like I have to like check in and be like oh my gosh it's overwhelming I'm like you know just take it piece by piece like Like, that's all you can do is do your best and you basically asked for this like this this is a good problem (laughs) absolutely you know would you prefer the opposite like what would you be doing if you didn't have my plan you know, right. so I really try to think through a lot of these things and like as they arise, be present in those thoughts and those feelings. Mm-hmm. So with not saying being your baby um, and you've, you know, you worked so hard to to bring it to life. I know you have to have a team around you that supports your vision and can, uh, you know, even, um, you know, take your vision to the next level. So what what is that like for you? Um, And what qualities are you looking for in your team? Oh, my gosh. 
Well, our team is still very small and I am very, 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 I don't know where I would be without the team. Like we have one lady, Nicole, who has been with me since I was in my living room. So she would literally come to my house and help me cut and help me sew on like this like old wooden board that we had. And she's still with us because she just like, she's really invested in the growth of the brand. And another um, lady that is a part of my son, Mackenzie, she celebrated her year in August. And so if I had to look at two traits of just those two, because we have a wealth of other individuals who help us out and our seamstress who are awesome. We have 15 seamstress that we rotate pieces through and they're just wonderful and amazing. And even in them, this quality is something that I see in them. And if I, if nothing else, I, I can't even work with you if you are not willing to work with passion. And like, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like these women that I've surrounded myself with in this company have also taken on Nasa like it is their own. Like I watch them literally work as if this is their, you know, and it's really humbling so to see that like, there are people out in the world who will work for you as hard as you work for, you know, because you hear like, oh, yeah. I'm going to treat things like you would treat it, you know, and that's true to a degree. But like, no, there are people who will be invested in the success of something that you build, especially mm-hmm. when it's for like the greater good. And like, we're really trying to solve like big issues and big problems that exist in the world today. And I think there's also a benefit to being a part of something that is good in the climate and the political climate is kind of like an escape. Like I know that at least when I'm in Nazlan, I'm doing more than, you know, nothing. Yeah. Right. That's amazing. And I think that probably says also uh, as much about you um, too, that they're, you know, behind a leader who has, has vision and passion and what she's doing as well. Yeah. So, um, so tell us, how did you come up with that name, Knotsland? Knotsland is interesting because, first of all, like, we get so many people call us Knots Landing. And apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? You know what's crazy is that there was going to be some listeners who won't know that reference. <laughs> apparently there were. So Nas Landing was a an evening yeah. soap opera, television drama that used to come on years ago in the 80s. I never heard of it. Never knew of it. And like, <laughs> you know, our older customers would be like, oh, like Knott's Landing. And I'm like, yeah, I like that. <laughs> Except not. Except not, but like whatever it takes for you to remember. <laughs> right, um, right. So that's kind of funny, but... Originally, when I very first, when I started, before I got into the accelerator, I had um, named it Have Nots. And I named it mm-hmm. Have Nots for the simple fact that, like, you know, I had come from Homewood and I feel like we were right one street away from, like, this, like, beautiful neighborhood called Point Breeze in which, like, I felt like it was the haves and have nots. Like, there was mm-hmm. crime and blight on one side and beautiful big homes and you know yards on the other side it just didn't it blew my mind but so the haves and the have nots so we called ourselves have nots um we got into the accelerator and one of our mentors was like hey you might want to double check your name before you register it because you know you don't want to have to worry about that down the line so another um actually our lawyer went and was like yeah I just want to give you a heads up that you might want to change your name because when I typed in have not, it was like a streetwear brand that had like t-shirts or it was just like something Mm -hmm. completely opposite from what. So the attorneys, oh, so there was another, another company with uh, the same name. Yeah. And so um, he had given me, he was like, well, we won't register until you figure out a new name. And like, that's kind of, it's, easier said than done, right? Because you have to think about, like, what do I want the name of my business to be? Like, I was so bent on this name. 
And it was also a transformational time where we were like, okay, you have to take this serious now. You know, it's not like a game, like you're actually going to take on some funding and register your business. Mm-hmm. So I had pondered over it for a couple days and I gave myself a deadline. And I think it was like the 4th of July. Yeah, it was the 4th of July because we were at my grandma's house and my grandma lived in this um it's a set it's kind of like it's a part of Homewood but it's like on a hill where like the projects are and Mm -hmm. there's this beautiful view of the rest of Homewood and the city from up there and we've always looked over there like for fireworks and you know just because it's a beautiful view and um it's also kind of funny. I, I have one more story after that, but <laughs> because it's a beautiful view and um, I stood there and I was like, what, what is the defining moment here? Like what, what is happening? And I was like, we're actually going from the, from have nots to potentially like, what do we want to be? We want to be the land of the knots. And like, I was mm. at this time, like we want to be the land of the knots. Like we want to create this like, space where you know that you could get whatever kind of bow tie you want and what does that look like knots land so I just like switched over like the land of the knots and put knots in front of it and was like this is it where that's amazing (laughs) I love that story (laughs) and I could actually I could see that you looking down over the town and thinking this is knots land yeah yeah like what are we trying to build here um, yeah. It was a great moment, and I felt really good about the name as soon as it came to me. And I was like, "Okay, now I'm ready to move forward." And the rest is history. But that is wonderful. I have another slight funny story. Um, a friend of mine was doing an interview up there at my grandma's like space, like where she lived in that project on that hill. And we were talking like her interview was on like changing cities, and you know what does this mean and how was your childhood and like all of these like intense questions and I was just like talking to her and there was a point where I was like yeah you know eventually I think that once the colonizers discover this place it's <laughs> gonna be over you know and no and behold at that very moment that I said that to her there was a bike <laughs> there was a guy on a bike like that's a great view, eh? And he's in this, like, wow. B-roll of it happening. And I was like, this is crazy. Wow. Well, you you know, you, you see it there in Pittsburgh, and I definitely see it here in Camden, New Jersey. You know, we see the face uh, of the city changing. And, you know, it's not that it's changing, you know, for the worse. It's, you know, the changes are good. We just, you know... The, the residents who live here, we have to, like you mm-hmm. said, you know, we have to anchor ourselves in mm-hmm. and create a place for ourselves in the change uh, because I, we can't stop it. And I think, I think stopping it is futile, mm-hmm. but just anchoring ourselves in and creating a space so that we can, uh, you know, enjoy this, this, this renewal, this change, this renaissance Absolutely. that our areas are going through. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow, Nisha, I have really, really enjoyed this conversation with you. I I feel like I could talk to you all afternoon, and I'm sure you have uh, many things that you have to get to. Um, But is there anything that you would like to say in closing? Well, first, before we do that, um, let's let's talk about how listeners can connect with you. So you can connect in a number of different ways, but our Instagram and Facebook is at KnotsLand. Um, one word, no separations or anything. And that's K-N-O-T-Z-L-A-N-D. And I don't, I'm not really that active on Twitter, but I do have a personal Twitter, Natural Knots, where you might see me ranting about a TV show here and there, or probably also like talking about food. (laughs) 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 Or my boyfriend or my dog, so... (laughs) <laughs> those things, I guess you can follow me on Twitter mm-hmm. at Natural Knots. Um, and yeah, we, yeah, 
Great. Thank you. And I'll make sure I put that information in the show notes as, as, as well as your website so that listeners can get on there and, and check you out and meet your team yeah. and, and learn more about you guys and see the wonderful bow ties that you're making. Um, but as I said before, is there anything that you want to leave listeners with? Um, I really just want to say if you want something, just go for it. Just don't think that you have to have everything together to do it. Just like figure it out along the way because that's part of the fun part. I've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs mm-hmm. who are like, oh, I have to have this and this and this and this before I could start. And a lot of people like plan themselves out of having a business, essentially. So right. if you are passionate and you want it, just go for it and find the people who you who you can gel with and who will help take you to the next level. Because there's people out there. Yeah. It's like help people want to help you help yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you said that, you know, and, and you illustrated that so well. And talking about your journey and just, you know, in the um, woman who, you know, told you about the accelerator program to calling up the, uh, the upholstery mm-hmm. company, mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely. but if we don't ask and if we don't start, then you'll you know, never know, we'll never get you there. You don't want to like let something, something great not happen. Right. Right. Thank you for being a wonderful no guest, Nisha. Thank you for having me, Nora. I really appreciate it. Thank you again for listening to the Nora Speaks podcast. Be on the lookout for another episode coming at you fresh next week. And as always, if you want to learn more about me and the work that I do, visit my website, norazahira.com. Or if you have a listener question that you would like me to answer on air, you can email me at questions at norazahira.com. You can also follow me on Facebook at Muhammad and on Instagram at norazz20. I'll be sure to include links to the above in today's show notes. If this show has value to you, please like and subscribe and share it out with family and friends. And be sure to check out previous episodes. And remember... Don't just join the movement, be the movement. Stay in peace.